Hello and welcome to the New Spiro podcast where we interview experts, authorities and characters on all things spearfishing. Come and join us after the show at noobspiro.com, the online spearfishing community helping you to become a better Spiro. Here are your hosts for the show, Shrek and Turbo. G'day Noob Spiro listeners, today's guest hails from the Cayman Islands where he spent his youth targeting hogfish and lobster in the clear waters of the Caribbean with his family. He brought his first spear gun at the age of 14 and quickly set about targeting blue water species. He went on to study and graduated from the US Merch Marine Academy in 99 and has been sailing around the world ever since working a very enviable four-on-four-off roster. When he isn't sailing around the world or flying to some of the best spearfishing locations on the planet, he's diving the oil rigs off the coast of Florida where he now calls home. Along the way, he's managed to pick up a few world records, including a 280-pound blue marlin, a 201-pound dogtooth tuna, 60-pound king mackerel, 32-pound blackfin tuna, not to mention a few of his PBs, 280-pound yellowfin tuna, 102-pound Spanish mackerel, 105-pound amberjack, 31-pound red snapper. He sounds like he's got it tough. Welcome to the show, Cam Kirk Connell. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Welcome. G'day, Cameron. It's bloody early in the morning here. Um... Shrek here. Where, whereabouts are you again, just for our listeners? I'm in Central Florida, and I'm actually out at our hunting camp, and I had to uh, run to a little higher ground here so you guys can get some reception. Um, You're a top bloke looking after us. Thank, thanks for um, improving that cool quality for us and our listeners today. No worries, man. So you got started in the Caymans. Um, what was that like, and what, what was your sort of first memorable fish? Um, probably the first memorable fish was one that someone else got which, uh, uh, was my dad. Um, we just grew up with it. So everyone in our family did it. And that's, it was just a way of life since we were little, little kids. And, um, I can remember my dad just holding on to his arm and he would tow me around and spotting a grouper before he did and having him go get it. Cause you know, I was too young to get it and I'll never forget that fish. It was, it was really unbelievable. Wow, that, that's a pretty cool first story. I'm hoping to do that one day with my um, children. Have you got children, Cameron? I do. I have a 10-month-old son. Oh, wow, cool. My son's uh, just over two, so I'm looking forward to getting him to the water. I think I might wait till he's three, though, just so my wife improves <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your dad sort of dropped down, shot this big groper. Um, I'm taking it it's pretty clear water in the Caymans. Crystal, yeah, crystal clear from our house. Um, you can actually, you can yell at, you know, the boat that is on the drop off where it goes from 70 feet down to a thousand. It's that close. So that's awesome. You know, as kids, you know, when lunch was ready, my mom would, you know, ring a bell and we'd have to, you know, sprint back in (laughs) to, to get it while it's hot, you know, but, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty spoiled, but we learned, you know, conservation pretty, pretty early because, the island is only 10 miles long and there's only about 300 meters of bottom before it drops off. So we never w- went out and absolutely slaughtered. It was always, you know, maybe one fish per person and a couple of lobsters. And also it didn't have much in the way of refrigeration. So whatever you shot is what you ate then. And the rest of it, you gave away to your buddies. And that's kind of carried through throughout my whole career. Yeah. Okay. And and I think a lot of people probably aren't aw- as aware, but trophy hunters whether they're on land or at sea seem to hunt more sustainable fish which are pelagics generally is that your sort of take on it Cameron? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for all the, the monster fish, you know, people see photos of, I go many, many days letting wonderful, wonderful fish pass because I know that they won't get bigger if they end up in the cooler. So for me, for dinner, I end up shooting these little tiny fish and people are like, why the hell did you shoot that when there's a, you know, hundred pound doggy there? I said, well, this, this is what I need for dinner tonight. And I want to come back next year and have that be 120 and let him pass again and come back in four years and have him be a 200 pounder. Yeah. Wow. That's that's the only way to have him get bigger. And I, I'm very, very patient in that. So I'm, I'm, I think it's paid off in, um, in spades, you know, over the years. And it's the only way to get really big fish is to let big ones pass. Now, Turbo mentioned earlier that you went from sort of um, getting started to as soon as you could really getting into hunting blue water species. What what was your first memorable blue water species? And just take us there on the day. Tell us the story. Well, the like I said, our whole family spears, and we had a um, we had a calm day in here in Florida, and I just got this this blue water gun, not not even giant by our standards now, but about 120 centimeters and with a reel. So I actually got my mom and two of my friends, then we were 15 or so at the time, and we took, took the boat out off of Florida and we ran offshore. And the first spot we stopped, I jumped in and there was 20 big cobia. So I, I, shot, I shot one and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. You know, we were so used to, you know, fish that you could pretty much pull up on one dive. And I didn't, didn't think and just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet straight away before I realized, wow. okay, there's a purpose for this reel. <laughs> <laughs> and got back to the surface. And um, that day we shot, or I shot myself, I shot four cobia all from... 40 to about 65 pounds. And I, I just thought I was the freaking man from then on. <laughs> wow. You, you were the man. I still haven't got a cobia. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a, I had a mate shoot a, about a 65 pound one the other day. It's a beautiful looking fish. They, they eat well at that size too, I believe. They do. And they will, the cool thing about them is it's a fish that beginners can get and advanced guys can get because they're, they're not the smartest the true battle comes when they're in your hands, just like a, you know, a Mahi Mahi or a Dorado. When you shoot them, they're usually pretty easy, but people lose them a lot because when they get them in their arms, they go absolutely nuts. And you end up getting slapped around the spear shaft (laughs) sticks in you. I mean, it's like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. So they're, they're a fun one. They're really enjoyable fish. So if you were to if you were to say to a noob who was looking to target cobia, what sort of uh, advice would you give them? Where would they go, and, and how would they go about looking to shoot their first cobia? I'd give them the same advice that I give any spear fisherman, no matter how advanced they are, and that's always look for something different. Yeah. Okay. okay. So okay. whether it's a, a color change, a temperature change, a change in the reef, an outcrop, a little bit higher piece a buoy, a stingray, like just anything different. That's the most general but specific statement and probably the mo- most helpful. Um, I'm always looking for something different. And while I'm not the, I'm not the best diver, I'm a very good hunter. And I'm my, my best thing is 
fish sense, like being able to see something different and cap capitalize on it and relate that to what fish bait structure is there and why like think and think into it a little bit you know yeah that's gold that's that's really good advice for the noob too cameron thank you for that um Mm -hmm. just changing to a slightly different tack what what would be the scariest moment you've had out spearfishing and 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 what what did you learn from what can our audience take away from that the scariest moment was um the steve bennett story where um we were both out in deep water off uh, the west coast of Florida in about 180 feet of water. And uh, we were taking turns doing some deep dives. And it was my turn to breathe up. And I'd been breathing up for about six, eight minutes. And I didn't see Steve dive. And long story short, when I was down on my dive getting ready to shoot a fish, I looked over and his gun was sinking and turned and looked. And he was sinking as well, blacked out. And it was at such a depth that I knew like at the moment I saw him, I knew that either him or I, or both of us were going to die. I had no choice, but to, to try. There was this one chance because it was so deep and in current. Um, I knew that there was no time, but, but right then. So, I swam towards him and he was far away. I mean, he was like 30 meters away when I saw him and we were, I was already down at about 30 meters. So I swam across to him and I knew that if I grabbed him, there was no way I was going to get to the surface. So at the last second I shot him in the fin and he was still, you know, seven, eight meters away. When I shot him, I looked at the surface and I knew that I was never going to make it there. And that feeling it like it haunted me. And it, I had flashbacks about it for more than a year. Um, just an overwhelming sense of helplessness because I just knew that I was not going to make it. Luckily I actually did make it to the surface, took a, took a breath and was able to, to bring Steve up and revive him. And, uh, you know, Steve's alive today to tell the story. Oh, that's awesome. We, we are, we are having a few issues with cool quality Cameron, but hopefully we get the, the gist of that story. We'll just edit out the bits that weren't so good. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, and that, that's a really powerful story for the noob too. Um, obviously, you know, for Steve, his buddy saved his life that day and um and uh it does underscore the importance of diving with a good buddy absolutely cameron what has it affected steve is he still diving he is yeah um we've actually we dive quite a bit together and um we're going to do some trips together this year even oh cool cool excellent all right so um just moving on to lighter things what's one of the funniest things you've seen out (laughs) spearfishing funniest things wow um Gosh, you were talking about getting head slapped by a mahi mahi or dolphin fish before. I've I've got some fond memories of doing that myself. <laughs> Gosh, funniest thing. Um, we'll have to come back to that one. I got to think about that one a little bit. That's no problem. That's no problem. Well, um, vet- veterans vaults another part of the show where we ask our special guests to take us deep into an area of spearfishing expertise that they would like to share about. Now, we haven't teed anything up, Cameron, but I thought um, as you're a specialist sort of blue water hunting guide, maybe you could um, just give our audience perhaps a little bit more um, information about 
about blue water hunting and 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 perhaps give your um your your guiding business a bit of a, a pump. Yep. Well, the again, some of the the best advice I can I can give everyone is on how to plan a trip. It, it doesn't matter if it's you know right there where you live or on the other side of the world. Every place requires a recipe, just like a good you know meal. And being able to put all those pieces together and be consistently successful is something that anyone can do. You just have to pay attention to the obvious signs. So when you're out, obviously you find a fish in a certain place, take a mental note of what the bottom structure was like, what the current was doing, what the temperature was, what the moon was. I mean, any factor you can possibly think of matters. And while you may never see those conditions in that place again. You can travel across the world and see those same conditions, see the same bottom structure, and without ever seeing a fish, know that at some point during that day, something is going to show up. And that's, I've been blessed to be able to travel throughout the world and dive with some of the best divers in the world. And I retain all of that. So the next piece of advice I'm going to give everyone is. If there's ever something you don't want me to remember, don't tell me because (laughs) I'm like an idiot savant with spearfishing stuff. Like (laughs) pretty much any place that I've ever been, I can draw it from memory and remember the conditions and everything from that day. And that's how I'm able to go places and having never written anything down, go straight back to the exact spot or find a place exactly like that and put people on the fish and that's that's you know just an amazing thing that i've never tried to do it just automatically happens for me and it's cool that i can share it now and put people on a fish and know exactly where to be with the camera so that for their fish of the lifetime you know we're capturing it on video and there's nothing better than being alongside someone when that happens and be able to give them a high five and a hug at the end. I mean, there's just, it's unparalleled. It's better than shooting it yourself. And, um, I, I'm lucky to have the best job in the world taking people to do that. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like it. So where, whereabouts do you sort of, um, take people uh, on guided sort of hunts for spearfishing? Uh, most of my stuff is private. So, I'll have a guy, you know, you guys will call and say, hey, look, man, I've always wanted a dog tooth tuna and I have the month of March. So there's three or four places in the world where you can go at that time and we'd make a plan. We'd keep it very secret <laughs> and uh, I'd get you guys all geared up and everything. And that's another bit is the the gear used is really one of the best kept secrets. You know, while you see all this stuff on the Internet and all that. Um, that's just the basic gear. It's the setup that is clutch. And there's a, there's a reason that our small group of friends have consistently landed more fish over 150 pounds than the rest of the world combined. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely an art, you know, to consistently land those big fish and not just hurt them and lose them. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the ultimate goal. It's good to keep a few of those secret. Uh, you got to have your secret sauce, Cameron. But um, our audience have got a ton of value out of <laughs> some of the some of the things you've offered already. Um, so blue water. I'll give you a blue water. 
if, if you're going to do blue water, get a bungee, not a one meter, not a three meter, get a full bungee because those fish are soft and they're not going to stop. They're going to keep running. It's not like they're going to go rock up or anything. So you need to let them run. You think of it like fishing. If you crank your drag down on a, on a fishing reel, when it comes tight, it's going to break. It's going to tear out. Something's going to happen. It's the exact same thing with diving. Um, you know, and those big fish, the wahoos, the tunas and everything are really soft. So it has an easy chance to go out. Um, for our trips, I, the most consistent ones I do are dog tooth tuna in Indonesia, Fiji, um, Africa, and, um, a little bit in Australia, um, yellowfin tunas in Central America, Ascension Island, which we've really figured out here in the last year. And, um, in the U S at a couple little secret spots and, um, you know, yellowfins are one that are, that are cool. Cause with those in Wahoo, you can pretty much get them anywhere in the world. You just have to have the right time of year and everything. Um, and kind of our bread and butter for the beginner all the way through to the most advanced divers is the Bahamas, which is the, the equivalent of your coral sea. Um, it's a two hour boat ride for us. And, uh, once we're over there, we have, you know, crystal clear water and big fish, and you can dive in 10 feet of water and land all the fish you'd ever want, or you can dive in hundred feet of water and just land crazy monsters. So it's a really, really neat, neat place to dive. That sounds epic. Uh, you've got, you've got me keen now. I might have to head over that way <laughs> soon, I think, Cameron. Yeah. We have another segment on the show that we called uh, we called the Fast Five Facts for Noobs. It's where uh, you you give the noob listener uh, a quick uh, fast fast facts for them to sort of get them started, things that they need to remember and um, and sort of get them on the water shooting fish. Use a float line. Have a okay. buddy all the time. Always carry your knife on your weight belt so you can get it with both hands. Clear mask so it's easy to see. Yep. And be be covered from head to toe all the time so you don't get stung scratched itchy or have to think twice about getting up in a hole or anything like that okay that's gold and that's very fast bits of advice so use a float line um always have a buddy uh, knife on your weight belt and get a get a good clear mask because vision's important and head to toe covering for everything else there that's you go gold. awesome Cameron, where can they? Where can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to go on your guided tours? Uh, the easiest way right now is to go on Instagram, and my uh, thing on there is Cam Kirkconnell, and I pretty much put constant updates on there. And in a couple of weeks, we are going to have CameronKirkConnell.com, where we share all the videos that we take on our trips, and okay. we have some unbelievable stuff that we just have not released. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the amazing thing about modern technology is being able to get good video and having a guy to edit it and put it together is, you know, worth it. You know, when you're going to do the dive trip of your life. So, um, yeah, we've got just incredible videos of every fish you can think of. And that'll all be on our, um, our website there, camerakirkconnell.com. Ah, oh, wow, awesome. So when is that website due to launch, Cameron? Should be here in the next couple of weeks. Okay, cool. What else you got? I actually had a question, Cameron. 
I'm um, watching you use the pole spear. I'm getting like uh, pretty interested and very tempted to buy a pole spear, mate. What can you tell us about choosing a pole spear, pole spear setup, and and the pros and cons? Uh, there's the only con to a pole spear amongst all the different um, pros is that is the range. Um, but that being said, the pros are you'll become very quickly a better hunter than anyone you know, because in order to be effective with that, you need to be within about two meters. But as a 220 pound yellowfin tuna with the pole spear this year will prove, you can get <laughs> any fish with a pole spear and it's going to make you a phenomenal hunter um, because you're, you can get so close to everything. So by the time you pick up a gun, you feel like you're cheating. I mean, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Um, can, but, you tell uh, us that, can you tell us that story, Cameron, about shooting that fish with the pole spear? Where were you and how deep were you? Can you, can you take us there on the day? Sure. Um, <laughs> we, were in, uh, we were in Ascension Island, and we've been hunting yellowfins for, for about two weeks. So been really watching them, you know, as I'm videoing everything and, like, trying to figure out the patterns and whatnot. And, um, all the clients had already landed fish over 220 pounds. So <laughs> wow. every day they were like, come on, you got to shoot something. You got to shoot something. I was like, no, 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 no. You know, you guys, you know, take it. So finally one day in the morning, both guys got like a 220 and a 250. So we went back, had lunch and they're like, come on, we got to go back out. So I was like, all right, but I'm going to do it with a pole spear. So we went <laughs> out and we got in the water and I, I told him, I was like, you know what? This must be what it feels like when people go hunting tunas. Like, I am so nervous <laughs> knowing that it's my turn and like that, you know, this is about to happen. It's just, it was, it was like my first day in the water. My heart was beating crazy. I couldn't get a good breath. And I'd love to say, you know, that I was completely calm, but hell no. I was so excited knowing yeah. that, you know, probably the most definitely the most significant fish of my life was about to be speared. And one of the most significant fish in the history of spearfishing was about to happen. And, yeah. um, I figured out pretty quickly that it was all about the angle that the fish was coming. Um, you guys haven't seen the video yet, but we have video of it all. You know how thick a yellowfin tuna is a 200 pounder is about a oh, foot yeah. and a half thick and about almost two feet high wow the fish came in and i timed it perfect so that he was coming up to eat a piece of bait coming almost at me and i shot and it hit about four inches behind the head and the spear actually penetrated all the way through him and came out the bottom half of him wow so it went all the way through that thick part of the fish and it was because the angle the fish was coming he was driving the, the spear through him ah, while the yep. spear was being pushed through him. Okay. So shot him and he took off and I mean, it hit the surface. And when you guys see the video, you'll it, it's, we're just all screaming at the top of our lungs. <laughs> oh, but um, wow. I, I didn't know until I saw the video and obviously we got the fish up close that it had gone through him. So I had a hundred foot bungee and a first buoy and I actually immediately started deflating the first buoy to put very little pressure on him so that, um, you know, I, so that the shaft wouldn't pull out, the tip wouldn't pull out and mm. fought him very gingerly for about an hour. And I had to put a second shot in to kill him. So 
it's actually got to be done with another pole spear. So I made a hundred foot dive because I didn't want to bring him up, you know, very far. I made a hundred foot dive down and stoned him with the second shot with the pole spear and then, (laughs) and then was able to bring him up. And I tell you, I've never been happier with the fish. I was, I'm still, I'm still unbelieving that that's possible. Like it's just, it's mind blowing. And that, uh, if I never land another fish in my life, that was a pretty good one to end with. Yeah. Wow. I'm still hearing the excitement in your um, voice, Cameron. That makes me really keen on watching that video. Hey, Cameron, the, um, your, your pole spear set up. So are you running like a, a slip tip and and where's your rig line attached? Um, it depends. And that's another, you know, kind of secret thing that we do or whatever. But uh, uh, the way I have that one rigged, the only thing that is attached is the tip just the tip of the pole spear is connected to about 15 or 18 feet of um 400 pound mono and then to a 100 foot bungee into the first buoy so once you shoot them the pole spear stays in your hand and the rest of it goes free so they just fight the buoys um you know with any kind of big fish like that you don't want any weak links and the fewer connections possible in your setup the better because every connection is something that can fail and you know all these advanced super crazy guns and setups and swivels and bs like that all that is is another chance for something to break and i'm not going to get into specifics with different you know different types of equipment but look at the stuff that you're buying and figure out very quickly whether you can fix it while you're in the water if you can't fix it in the water or on the boat, you need to think twice about getting it because that can ruin a trip very quickly. Yeah, okay. I can confirm that from two stories I've recently heard. We had a, a friend locally who shot his first marlin and he had a big fancy gun. We used to call it the Ferrari. And uh, he shot this marlin and his gun fell apart in his hand. All he was left with was the grip. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a beautiful – no, it was, it was actually – it pulled the muzzle off. It was a beautiful Italian gun. We won't mention the brand, brand but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It looked better than than it's actually would and, suggest. And and we recently also interviewed Darren Shields from New Zealand. You you, you might be aware of Darren, but he oh, yeah. um, one of his bits of advice for noobs was you know don't overcomplicate your gear. The words he used were don't go don't don't go into the water like a Christmas tree. You know the that's right. The simple the simpler you set up, sometimes the better. So. And that's, that's the beauty of the pole spear. Um, you know, mask, fins, and pole spear, it simplifies it always. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And, and, w- and what about the reef with the pole spear? Does it sort of, um, you must be getting a bit of advantage with the use of a pole spear around sort of tight rocks and that, that kind of thing, surely? Um, yes and no, because, it, like I said, pole spear, you need to do it because, as we've shown, any fish can be landed with a pole spear. We've shot multiple wahoo, yellow fins, black fins. I mean, every kind of grouper, snapper, hog. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Mackerel, we've shot it all with the pole spear. So it can be done. Um, in the rocks and stuff, the only challenge is, like, picture a crack. Like, whenever you're diving a crack, it's very difficult because you can't turn the gun to get up in the hole. You have to come down one way and then turn it sideways and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. with a pole spear, you've got two or three meters of shaft. So it's very difficult to twist it and get it in there. Mm, um, mm. But with the pole spurs that we use, 
I'll take a section out. So if I know the fish is in a hole, which are snappers and gropers and stuff like that, the cod and, and trout, they'll go in a hole. So I'll take the middle, you know, meter out so that I now have a meter and a half long pole spear and then I'll go in the hole. And when you're shooting a fish in a hole, he's in there. He's not going anywhere else. Be patient. Shoot him in the head. Kill him. Don't shoot him somewhere where he's going to go ballistic. You know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't get him on the first, first dive, don't shoot him, you know, mm-hmm. come up, go back down with the light, look in there again, try to shoot him right in the head. If you can't shoot him in the head and he's facing straight in there, shoot him in the base of the tail. Okay. Right through the, right through the base of the tail. Well, what's going to happen is he is going to go absolutely ballistic, but you have a hold of his propeller. So all he's doing is shaking and yeah. He's loosening himself from the hole. Just keep constant pressure and he's going to come right out because yeah, he's going to shake and pull him right out. That's some good advice, Cameron. And um, I think a, a, one of the themes that's come through loud and clear today is, is patience. Um, I got that from the start yeah. of your story there. So, with, um, yeah, sure. with, with the actual poles, <laughs> I'm getting right into it. So, with the actual poles there, Christmas is coming up. So, my order's going in. What do I look for when I'm buying one? in terms of what they're made out of and that kind of thing. I've bought sort of these old primitive ones before, which are just a length of fiberglass with a pranger head on the end, and they sort of, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say it's got two metres in it. So what, what do yeah. I look for when I'm going to go and buy a new pole spear? Uh, the best thing is one about right around nine feet, so just under three metres. Um, and any of these hybrid ones like the carbon fibre and, um, and aluminum ones that are fast, are the best ones also okay. use a slip tip. Um, you know, I designed the ones for rife international when I was working for them. And I'm also, I'm working now with headhunter spearfishing and we have a couple of different designs, which are just phenomenally fast. I mean, to shoot a pelagic fish, you got to have something that's fast. And these things are just, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I do not feel like I'm at a disadvantage when I'm with a pole spear anymore. You know, okay. they're just they're just that good. And whereabouts is Headhunter based? Is that a US based company? Yep, they're here in South Florida. Okay. And you can go on and have a look at their sort of pole spears online? Yep, they're at headhunterspearfishing.com. Cool, cool. All right. Well we're gonna go back to that um funny story. Cameron, can you have you thought of a, a funnier <laughs> one of the funniest things you've seen out? Well some of the some of the stuff that we think funny is probably a little bit um a little scary. For most uh, people, and I don't want to say inappropriate. I mean, we're not Australian, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say nothing's inappropriate down here, Cameron. You know that. Um, the probably one of the the hardest I've ever laughed in the water is uh, my buddy Mark Healy, who's a professional big wave surfer, and I do a lot of diving and exploring around the world. And um, both of us probably get to travel and dive with more people than anyone i've ever met so we have all these crazy techniques from locals and i mean people that have never seen a white man and spear guns and all this stuff and <laughs> um we figured out how to how to call sharks in and we went to put it to the test one day and we we tried it out in the middle of the blue water where there was nothing and yeah. when we did it they came in like it was it was like you see those alien movies where the 
this, the mothership is hovering and then all the like small little spaceships go back into the mothership. Oh, no. It was like that with sharks and literally 50 sharks came within seconds straight up. Like they were going to hit us. I mean, skyrocket on us. And the two of us were choking, laughing and our, both of our, our girlfriends at the time were in the boat and they were just like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and we were just crying, laughing. And there's just 50 sharks around us. I mean, there was just, there was nothing else to do but laugh. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable to figure something out like that. Yeah. And we were really trying to put it to the test to see if dog tooth would come in. And as it turns out, it actually works for them as well. But, oh, okay. um, the shark thing was, oh God, we were, we were both crying, crying, laughing. And our, both of our girlfriends made us swear that we would never do it again and never show or tell anyone about it. And we've, we've held true to that and we haven't done it. <laughs> but, uh, That's probably more to do with the fact that it calls dog tooth chainer in that, I'd reckon. Eh, yeah. You know, we got to <laughs> keep some secrets. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you notice um, I haven't. You notice I haven't offered much up about how to how to hunt dog tooth. Yeah, nah, that's fine, Cameron. Look, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's got their secret sauce, man. Look, have have you got something you'd want to say to our audience, Cameron? A uh, maybe a specific call to action or or a bit of advice for them? Yeah, there's no fish that's worth it. Um, you know, in all the days that you're going to spend in the water, and the amazing things that you're going to see underwater diving. Uh, you know, you see all this stuff online and, and all the social media stuff now about bigger, deeper, faster, blah, 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 all this stuff. Dive at your own limits. You'll get better over time. There's no rush. There's plenty of fish. There's always going to be another fish. So don't push it. Um, I, I'm one of the safest and shallowest divers that you'll ever meet. Despite my ability, I dive at probably 60% of what I can do because I want to be able to come home at night. There's nothing better than seeing my family. So more than anything else. I wouldn't say you're one of the shallowest divers around. We're interviewing you here. Turbo's definitely the shallowest (laughs) diver around you've ever seen, Cameron. (laughs) You've got to get one in, don't you? The the bloke's been going like seven or eight years now. He's still struggling to hit six metres. but. Like, hey, six meters is impressive. Yeah. I, 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 I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with that too if I had his physical sort of um, <laughs> capabilities. So, no, nah, it's a miracle. The training's done wonders. <laughs> hey, elephant seals are faster than you think. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, that's me you're talking about now. <laughs> no, good. Now, thanks, Cameron, for coming on the show. And, um, I mean, we're still getting started out, so we really appreciate um, having you on the show. And uh, and you've, you've offered a ton of value for our audience. Our audio's been a little, little bit scratchy, so we'll do, have to do a bit of editing magic, but mm. it's been great having you on the show. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. And, um, you know, you guys and, and anybody that's listening or whatever, anytime you ever have any question, uh, I'm always open, like, you know, that's one of my favorite things is being able to help and to influence, you know, new divers getting started out, kind of keep them on the right path. Um, awesome. You know, again, like everyone sees these amazing trips that, uh, you know, that we're doing. I, I've spent more money on trips than, you know, most people will spend on their house in their lifetime. And <laughs> I, I, I'm not a trust fund kid. 
and my sponsors don't ever pay for those trip. I have a very good job, you know, as a ship captain that allows me six months off a year to travel and to do this. So get a good job, go to school and have this as a phenomenal hobby to fall back on. Don't drop everything thinking that spearfishing and sponsorship and all that is going to give you a free ride. Make it on your own. Bugger, you've just shot me in uh, Turbo's plan in the foot. All <laughs> 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 uh, well, good, thanks. Cameron, thanks again. Yeah, guys, my pleasure. Thanks for listening today, Noob Spiro. If you'd like to find out any more information from today's guest, then head over to noobspiro.com. We really appreciate you guys as listeners. Without you, we couldn't do the show. So if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes or head on over to noobspiro.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter. We won't send you crap. So that's all from us. A big hooroo. We hope to see you soon. Shrek over and out.